Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. How are you doing, dear family? I pray that you are well. Um, We are well. In the midst of all this, we are well because God is on his throne. And some of you may say, what's he doing there? Well, I, I don't know what he's doing, but I know what he's not doing. He's not sleeping. God neither slumbers nor sleeps. Um, he's building his church. And um, this um, uh, pandemic, which I absolutely believe is a chastisement so that we could wake up and change our lives and and purify our souls, get to confession, and be ready for whatever is coming next. What's coming, when, when it's coming, I don't know. I have access to the same um, videos and all that, that you all do, but I do believe that this is of God, and I believe that as um, difficult as it is, it's extremely mild uh, uh, compared to what is on the horizon. Um, God has given us many, many uh, opportunities to repent, and we have not. Now, of course, I'm not speaking on an individual basis, but in general. And I don't mean just the world. I mean even the church. And so it's, it's it, I don't know, I, I don't know if we're at our worst, most immoral uh, time in history. Uh, Jesus said he would, it would be just like the days of Noah when he returns. I, I don't imagine the days of Noah were as as bad as this. Um, so because of the, of the evil within the church. So that without the church, we know it, but it's within the church. And as the church goes, so does the world go. As the family goes, so does the church go, and so does the world go. So it is um, kind of being destroyed by the day uh, with um, tremendous evil. So uh, I think we have this opportunity not to complain, not to be angry. We can be angry, that's all right. Um, uh, not to be angry at God, because that would um, uh, not be understanding what's going on or, or understanding God. But we could be angry at some of the decisions that are being made, uh, as our Lord might call it, righteous anger, when wrong decisions are being made, when when men in charge uh, uh, make um, decisions they should not be making, those sort of things, and we are victims of that, uh, that's okay to call for anger. But to be angry at God means that um, you want him under under your thumb. Uh, you think he should be like us, and he's not. Uh, we need to bless God for what he's done on the cross for us. We need to bless him every minute of every day. Um, And if we fight against him, we're not going to get it. Just like the Israelites, they fought against him. And uh, after 40 years in the wilderness, they didn't get it. They fed them with manna. They complained the same food every day. He fed them with, uh, their sandals didn't wear, wear out for 40 years. 
and they just complained. And they never, after 40 years, which was for them a chastisement, because the route from Goshen to the Promised Land was an 11-day journey. And they wandered for 40 years in the desert because of their disbelief, uh, their lack of trust in God. And so they died off in the desert, and only Joshua and Caleb entered the Promised Land, not even Moses, because he disobeyed God. And so um, we don't want to be like the stubborn Israelites, uh, I hope. Um, So um, we need to take this time and say, Lord, what is it that you want of us? What is it that you're doing? And I think it's simply the time to grow in holiness, um, to be grateful for what we do have, um, and and to walk with God. Uh, I, I don't think we have any other choice. We have, an, we have other choices, but we don't have the power to affect them, except the only power we have is the one God has given us, and that is to grow in holiness and in the knowledge of our faith. That is our, those are our marching orders. So um, what I thought I would do, you know, we've been trying different books and the, the, the Roman Catholic drill book is not working for us because it was published in 1925, and I'd have to look up canon law and almost all its points. And so um, uh, it, it doesn't come with full explanations, so I need to dig into those at times as well. Um, reading through a book, fabulous books, but again, um, there are times that we have to run an encore, not often, but at times weekends come in between. Uh, we could have to stop in the middle of a page and then pick up again. Um, and very difficult to do that uh, over the air and live stream. So what I have thought and what has really worked the best, because we need to learn our faith. We will always talk about the world, take your questions, your calls, everything during the second half of the program. But um, I think we need to stay with the first half of the program with, uh, with learning or reviewing our faith or understanding it more deeply, because that's what we have. Um, we're not going to go into heaven because we've protected ourselves and have enough money and have enough uh, and just continue the lives we've been living, even if they are okay. But we need to know our faith. We need to know God. I was listening to Dr. Taylor Marshall's uh, program last week, and he said that probably the best source we could have is the Baltimore Catechism. And um, I've never been through it. We went through it a few questions just for a couple of days. Uh, I'm on Catechism number three. It's a little more in-depth, a little more difficult Uh, as opposed to number two, um, who made you, God made you, and so forth. It's simpler. It's profound things to know, but the answers are simple enough for us to to memorize. They're good for teaching children. Uh, I I looked at number three, and to me it looks, um, I like to start. It might be more advanced. I don't know how how the uh, catechisms, there's four of them, I believe, in a set, and I don't know quite how they're divided, but I'm going to start at uh, number three. It's online, and lesson one, the subject is the end of man, 
the end of man. That doesn't mean we're about to be abolished. It means our end. Why are we here? Why do we exist? What for? What purpose? Is there meaning to life? For what end do we exist? Um, And so the first question here is, what do we mean by the end of man? And the answer is, by the end of man, we mean the purpose for which he was created, namely to know, love, and serve God. And I'll tell you, beloved, um, prior to my becoming a Christian, um, I lived my whole life wondering why mankind was on the earth. What is it for? What is all the pain and the tragedy and even the good times? What are they for? To what end? To what purpose? Does one uh, get born and mature and grow up and uh, marry and have children and die? That is that the whole story? Uh, Peggy Lee, is that all there is? Uh, what would what will it have been for? And I lived my whole life into my 30s with that question because nothing and no one ever, ever filled the emptiness of my heart, the sense of purpose, purposelessness and meaninglessness I lived with. Nothing and no one, no answer, no human answer, nothing could ever fill that. And I lived with it my whole life until I was, uh, how old was I? Oh my goodness, I can't... Um, I'd have to think. I'm, I, I don't know. Uh, in my twenties, but I'd have to. I'd have to get a year. Um, and then one day, someone told me about God, and that uh, we were made for Him, for a relationship with Him, that we could know Him, K N O W. We could know Him personally, and the thought. That we could have. I didn't know anything about the Catholic Church then. These were Protestants that had reached out to me, and actually Jewish Christians, uh, knowing that I had a Jewish background. And I believed that God existed, but a personal God, a God who knew us deeply and wanted us to know Him, wanted a love relationship. This is wishful thinking to me. It was a fairy tale unbelievable because I grew up in my Jewish background. You can't look at God and live. Nobody's ever seen God. What are you talking about? A relationship with God. That was amazing. And the day that I, by God's grace, entered into that relationship so um, magnanimously uh, what's the word? Uh, Unbelievably changed my life. I was, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians, a new creation, a new creature on earth. I was new. Life was new. Everything was new. And from that day, I've had a purpose to live for every second I breathe. I still can't get over it, beloved. There's the music that separates us. We're going to our first break. We'll be right back after the break, and we'll continue this. Don't go away. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. 
LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Do you have questions about your faith life and the life of your family? Ask Mother Miriam each weekday from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern when the Station of the Cross brings you Mother Miriam Live, a program to inspire you and offer solutions to many of life's challenges. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam with some very exciting news. Through a partnership between the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News, you will be able to listen and watch Mother Miriam live on YouTube and Facebook at the Station of the Cross, including past episodes on podcast. As always, you're going to be able to call, text, or email whatever your questions are. If you are not able to watch the live stream, you'll still be able to listen on your local Station of the Cross affiliate on the iCloud. Catholic Radio mobile app or at thestationofthecross.com. God bless you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We have a oh, maybe a little over 10 minutes to our second break, which will be at the half hour, and then we'll have it a whole half hour to ourselves, and I'll take your calls, your texts, your questions at that time. And if you'd like to get ready, the toll-free number is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We are talking about going through just... One or two questions at a time. The Baltimore Catechism, number three, lesson one on the end of man. And um, uh, the first question in that section is, what do we mean by the end of man? For what purpose is he on earth? Um, And the answer is, by the end of man, we mean the purpose for which he was created, namely to know, love, and serve God. And I'll go on to the next question, beloved, but I have no other reason to exist than to know, love, and serve God, and I add, to make him known. I have no other reason to breathe. And if we know that, truly in our heart, not just to answer a question intellectually, if we know that, that whenever we do, whatever the circumstances, whatever persecution comes upon us, whatever tragedy or whatever it is, Uh, We know that our purpose for existence does not change and that nothing touches us apart from what God allows. Nothing, if we love him, nothing touches us apart from what he allows. Nothing, even if we don't love him. He's in control. And so during this coronavirus and uh, 
all things that have been decided, rightly or wrongly, uh, the evils that have come upon a whole uh, uh, humanity and the world, all of that, uh, nothing changes. Our purpose in the middle of it, even if we're out of a job, uh, if we can't go to church, we can't receive our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, it still doesn't change to know, love, and serve God. And we get to know him and to love him and to serve him in a way that we haven't understood before. And it brings us into deeper union with him. It's a beautiful thing, beloved. The next question is, how do you know that man was created for God alone? How do we know that? And the answer is, I know that man was created for God alone because everything in the world was created for something more perfect than itself. But there is nothing in the world more perfect than man. Therefore, he was created for something outside this world. And since he was not created for the angels, he must have been created for God. I'm going to read that again. I know that man was created for God alone because everything in the world was created for something more perfect than itself. But there is nothing in the world more perfect than man. That's it, beloved. We are God's highest creation. We are his highest creation. Look in Genesis, the order of created creation. He created us last, man. Man and woman, he created last. We are the high point of his creation. Nothing else and no one else. Uh, not animals, not uh, all of creation, plants, oceans, whatever it is. No one has been created in the image of God except man, mankind. Therefore, man and woman, therefore, he was created. Man was therefore created for something outside this world because if anything he creates is greater than himself um, and he's the greatest thing in this world, and he is, mankind is, then there must have been something outside this world he was created for. He was not created for the angels. He must have been created for God. And, of course, we're created for God and by God. That's right. That's the answer, beloved. We could spend a lifetime um, understanding that. Uh, John the Evangelist writes to, uh, to little children, to young men, and to fathers. He writes the exact same words to all three, to little to children, to young men, and to fathers. He writes the same thing because each one can understand it. On their level, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That is, uh, that is one sentence. It's a little mouth, mouthful that um, children in CCD learn um, or at home. They can learn it at three years old, but if they're 103, they'll never plumb the depth of that magnificent verse. Okay, question three. In what respect are all men equal? This is a big one, huh? And, of course, in the days of the Baltimore Catechism, they weren't fighting gender and male and female and that inequality. That's, so we use the word men for everyone. God created, the scriptures say, God created man and made him male and female. God created man, Adam, is uh, the word for man, and made him male and female. So are all men 
equal? And the answer is, all men are equal in whatever is necessary for their nature and end. And again, the end that they would know, love, and serve God. They are all composed of a body and soul. They are all created to the image and likeness of God. They are all gifted with understanding and free will, and they have all been created for the same end, which is God. Are men and women equal? Yes. In what respect? Just as this says, in whatever is necessary for their nature and end. They're all composed of a body and soul, men and women. We all have body and soul. We all are created to the image and likeness of God, and that does not a physical situation because God is spirit. He's not physical. He became man, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, took on flesh through the Virgin Mary. But God is spirit, pure spirit. So when we are created in the image of God, we're speaking of mind and intellect, um, will. And men and women are equal because they're all gifted with understanding and free will. And by the way, we are given every one of us free will. And someone says, well, I'm not free. My boss orders me around. My parents order me around. The freedom God has given us is the freedom to do right, not to do wrong. We're not given freedom to sin. We have that choice because we have freedom. We have free will to do what is good. And that is what our free will is ordered to. If we refuse that, like Adam and Eve, we refuse obedience to God we refuse to love him, God will let us have our choice. But the free will we're given is the free will to choose what is right. Um, And men and women have all been created for the same end, which is to know, love, and serve God. Okay, next question. Do not men differ in many things? Of course they do. Men differ, the answer is, in many things, such as learning, wealth, power, etc. But these things belong to the world and not to man's nature. Man came into this world without them, and he will leave without them. He came into the world without learning, wealth, power, and other things, and he will leave without them. Only the consequences of good or evil done in this world will accompany men to the next. And all the scriptures say we will be accountable for every word we've ever uttered. Oh my goodness, I can't bear the thought of it, but we will. And so um, uh, we are, uh, everything we've done for good or ill, we will be faced with at the judgment. Yes, we will. Um, and they will, or the, the consequences of good or evil done in this world will accompany men to the next. And again, uh, there's not one of us that is 100% righteous that hasn't sinned. There's not one. But God has uh, given us forgiveness through confession. And if it's a moral sin, mortal rather, mortal meaning death, we must confess to a priest. We must unless we're in a foxhole or somewhere where we cannot get to confession with the priest and we are able to say an act of absolute perfect attrition with godly, contrition rather, perfect contrition with godly sorrow. And we better not count on that because we never know. We won't even know if there's time for us to have that 
that contrition or, or um, a confession. And so the consequences of the good or evil done in this world will accompany men into the next. So if we, our sins are forgiven and we have also, um, uh, let me say, uh, paid, expiated for the temporal effects of our sin uh, as well, because we've forgiven, so when we go to confession, we forgive, we ask the priest, we ask God for forgiveness, we name our sins, and the priest gives us a penance, not in order to be forgiven, but because we're forgiven. To He allows us to repair the effects of our sin on others in this world and to make rep- reparation, reparation. If we do that, then the temporal effects of our sin are also taken care of. If we do not do that, then that's what purgatory is for. What we don't do on earth to expiate the temporal effects of sin, uh, we will have that time in purgatory. And again, the only people that are in purgatory are saved, forgiven sinners who have not expiated the effects of their sin on other people around them. The, the forgiveness between them and God is complete um, if they've been forgiven, but they need to be, they need to repair the damage done to those against whom they have sinned. Could be someone in the family, a spouse, a child, a parent, a stranger, could be anybody, could be anybody. We need to make reparation. And if we don't, then that's, what's pur- that's what it, purgatory is for. And the, the difficulty with purgatory is that even there we cannot make expiation for our sins. It's a place of suffering. The only way that sins in purgatory could be expiated are by, is by those still on earth, us, which is why we should never f- fail to pray for souls in purgatory. I've been to funerals where the priest canonizes a person and says they're in heaven, and they, no, they're not. We have no idea that they're in heaven. If we think they're in heaven, then they don't need our prayers. And we do them a great disservice. And I could see them panicking in purgatory, say, no, 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 don't say I'm in heaven. I'm in the fires of purgatory, and I desperately need your prayers. I know I'm on my way to heaven because I'm in purgatory, but I'm not going to get there without your prayers and sacrifices. You see, so God has... Excuse me, God has given us a, an enormous, enormous gift to help each other into heaven by prayer, by sacrifice, uh, by gifts of love. So it, it's truly wonderful, beloved. All right, there's the music for our second break, and we will come back and um, have a whole half hour for ourselves. So call in. You can, now our lines are open. It's a perfect time to call in during the break, toll free or text at one 511 or email at mother, um, uh, let's see, mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. 
Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. We have a whole half hour to ourselves. I'm going to give out the number one more time for those who wish to call in. It's toll-free, um, 1-877-511-5483. And then, of course, you can always email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. we have an email that we began yesterday, and I, I said I would, I would uh, return to it today. We didn't have enough time. It's from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Hello, Mother, and thank you for taking my question. In our diocese and many others, guidelines are being posted and provided indicating procedures for when churches open. In one diocese, it is being left up to the pastor to decide how to do. My concern is this. Parishioners were notified recently by our local parish the rules and regulations concerning, including mass time, how many could attend, and age range restrictions rather than suggestions. My biggest concern is about the mandate that was sent, quote, communion can be received only in the hand, end quote. This is tragic, beloved. While, as I understand, forcing communion in the hand is not allowed, we know that priests and bishops do. What are our resources, uh, recourses, if any, if the priest refuses, refuses to provide communion on the tongue, should I not attend Mass with my children? 
the obligation is still being dispensed. While I know receiving communion is not obligatory at Mass, my concern is if attending but not receiving might send the wrong message to others that I am not receiving out of fear or health concerns. This is not true. I would not receive in hand the hands out of respect for our Lord. Even if I go up to receive and only get a blessing, there will be those who assume I am receiving in the hand. Uh, let me just, since it's a bit of a lengthy email, let me just begin to respond. Uh, you know, uh, as I know, um, that no bishop or priest has the right. Now, they do it. I know they're doing it all over, but they do not have the right given by God through his church. They have no right to refuse communion on the tongue. They have no right to refuse the sacraments to anyone, but certainly uh, giving out, uh, distributing Holy Communion uh, is... is uh, they do not have a right to mandate only in the hand. They do not have that right. They may take it. They may say, no one's telling me what to do. This is for your good. You, you know, all of that. It doesn't matter. They're wrong. They, no one has a right to forbid communion on the tongue. And so, um, yes, you're right. Forcing communion in the hand is not allowed. <clears throat> Bishops and priests still do it, but they can't force it, we can simply refuse to receive communion. Um, and uh, this person says, while I know receiving communion is not obligatory at Mass, my concern is if attending but not receiving might send the wrong message to others, that I am not receiving out of fear of health concerns. It's not true. I know we should not bring scandal to others, but in this case, I wouldn't make a decision based on appearance or what others think. Um, because if we receive communion in the hand, that should be a greater scandal. It, it should be. It's no longer because that debauchery has been going on for a long time. But that should be scandal. Um, and, um, okay... Um, they say, I would not receive in hands out of respect for our Lord. Even if I go up to receive and only get a blessing, there will be those who assume I'm receiving the hand. Forget what th- people think, because it's, 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 you cannot control that, no matter what. No matter what you do, there are people who are going to come against it. Forget, get that burden off you. You walk with God and do what you believe is right. However, Communion is never a place to receive a blessing. Communion is for one thing only. Going up for communion is to receive our Lord. Not a blessing, not anything else. No. If people want a blessing, they can uh, ask the priest for one as they're leaving the parish that morning. But it is not to be done at the communion rail, so I would not go up to receive a blessing uh, I would absolutely not do that. Um, Let's see now. Um, I would not receive the hands out of respect for our Lord. While in the hand is allowed, another concern is if this mandate goes on for who knows how long, how do we explain to children who might receive in the hand for weeks, weeks or months that now we must go back to receiving on the tongue. I don't think you should ever explain that to children because I don't think you should ever receive on the hand. Um, 
I plan to see if there are other parishes or priests doing what is right and possibly attend elsewhere. That's the thing for you to do. But if not, what should I do that would be best for my soul and others? Thank you and God bless. Well, you need to take your soul to God and decide that. Uh, the first thing I would do is just what you said. I would look for a parish. There are Novus Auto parishes that are allowing communion on the tongue. Um, and, of course, if you could find a Latin parish that's simply, strictly communion on the tongue, although I read an article last week from one bishop who has forbidden it, even in, in the Latin parish, it's it's an awful, awful thing that a bishop has no right to forbid, but but they do. And so, um, uh, where was I? Um, so yes, I would look for another parish or look for a, a, a Latin parish. And if you find no such thing, I would stay home uh, rather than attend Mass and not receive communion. I would stay home rather than attend Mass and not receive communion and watch the debauchery going on of people receiving in their hand, some with latex gloves on the priest, some priest dropping communion into the hand. It's an awful situation to be present at. So no, I would I would stay home and um, and receive if I, my, my heart would, uh, by God's grace, be in that disposition, receive spiritual communion and raise my children in the faith every Sunday rather than going to Mass. Um, we have an email from Kelly who writes, Mother Miriam, my priest is denying me uh, communion on the tongue. Here's another one. I have engaged him several times to which he and the other priest stated they know they are not in accordance with universal law, but after recommendations from the CDC, oh, that's the medical, medical doctors and purported theologians. I say purported because what true theologian would encourage clergy against church law? Well, I, the other way around. Um, um, right, 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 you're right. A, a true theologian would not encourage clergy against church law. And true clergy would not forbid the sacraments. The priests have determined that physical well-being and safety is above the law. Not only that, he's the priests have determined that physical well-being and safety is above God, above the church. Uh, uh, it's awful. The, um, I continue to engage them, have also contacted that diocesan canon lawyer and bishop to which I am still waiting to receive a response. I'm now preparing to write a letter to the CDF, CDW, Cardinal Seurat, Cardinal Mueller in Rome. Well, that's fine that you do that. I don't know what response you'll get because uh, the Vatican has already spoken that communion is not denied on the tongue. Um, they could make whatever statements they want. I can't imagine a bishop or a priest who will be better informed than they are now. It's simply wrong to deny communion on the tongue. It's against the law. It's against church law. It's against uh, every congregation. So I don't know writing them if they, if, um, you know, I think of Jesus who said to the Jews, if you believed Moses, you would have believed me. Um, I could say the same thing now. You know, if you believe um, 
the, the teachings of the church um, and the mandates uh, that uh, communion on the tongue is not only allowed, it's the norm, not communion in the hand, um, then you would be following it. Um, uh, we don't follow secular authority uh, above church authority. And if church authority caves in and gives the secular world an authority God never gave them, it's, it's a tragic thing, but it's the state we're in. And this person says, the most recent discussion I had with the priest alluded to that I was selfish for wanting to receive this way. And it is not how we receive, but whom we receive. Well, that's a nice statement, but that's the point. Because it's whom we receive, we have no business receiving him on our hand. Because it's God. That's the point. This statement gives the impression that outward action does not and should not reflect what's in the heart concluding that reverence is then left to a feeling and not an action. Very good, whoever wrote this. Very, very good. It's, it's from the heart that the, our, our uh, mouth speaks and that our actions flow. And so if we receive our Lord in our hand, that speaks of lacking understanding and reverence in the heart. I, I think it also lacks it for those who distribute communion in the hand. Excuse me, hold on. (coughs) Integrity, they go on, means unity, oneness. It does not. It means unity in one's intention, word, and action. When you say it's not how you receive, but whom you receive, suggests that there's no unity between one's... You're right, in the point you were making, yes. Integrity is in a a person being whole... And so that your actions reflect your intentions. Your words reflect your intentions. You don't think one thing and do another. Excuse my hiccups. So absolutely. When you say it's not how you receive, but whom you receive, capital W, suggests that there is no unity between one's action, one's word, and one's intentions, that one is not bound to integrity. It's absolutely right. If you say, well, I believe this, but I'm doing this, you're living a lie, and your life is uh, in turmoil. Should there be uh, consanguinity between outward actions and an individual's heart? Should they reflect each other, of course? Does the aforementioned provide extrinsic manifestation of intent and belief? It does. Adding... Aiding those in doing the perceiving to perceive correctly. Please correct me if I am wrong in this understanding. You're not wrong. My main question is, should I continue to be denied and take a spiritual communion, or should I receive on the hand and continue to engage and fight it? You just answered your own question, dear one. Integrity. Integrity. You can't believe one thing and do another. That's not integrity. So if you believe that it's irreverent, Receiving the hand is not worthy of God to receive him in your hand, particles falling and all that, then um, then you can't do it. Um, I would not receive in the hand if you feel that way. You've just made the case for not doing other than you believe. Um, yes, you can continue to fight it, but go ahead and receive 
um, I would. Let me see if I can quickly finish this. I'm committing a sin. Am I committing a sin of pride by not giving in to their demands? Absolutely not. If that, if pride is your motive, then it's not love and reverence. Am I committing the same sin as them by demanding I get to receive in a certain way? And if I don't, then I just won't receive. Absolutely not. My first thought is no, as they're denying me the norm and universal law, not the other way around, but I wanted input from you. I agree with you all the way. Last, last two sentences here. Christ said we will have no life in us if we do not receive the Eucharist. We do not get to pick and choose which acts we do for eternal life. I'm so conflicted, and I'm in so much spiritual turmoil, turmoil as to what is the right thing to do. Um, you receive on the tongue. You will not have eternal life taken from you in this circumstance. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. This is our last segment together, and again, you're always welcome to call in at any time. Our lines are usually wide open, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. Hold on just a moment. That's right. Okay. Um, I'm going to take an email from Kelly, who writes... um, uh, No, Kelly is the one we just... We just read that email from Kelly. It was a good email. 
Uh, but we're going to take an email now from James, who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, <clears throat> we love your fantastic show on the Station of the Cross in Boston, Massachusetts. You are truly helping to save souls. Thank you, dear James. God bless you. Yesterday, you mentioned the future event called The Warning or The Illumination. We are aware of this from Conchita and believe that it can be viewed as a great mercy from God indeed. I agree, James. However, here's my urgent problem. Um, I'm a devout Catholic, married father. I'm a devout Catholic, married father of four children from uh, Raynham, Massachusetts, trying to live out all the instructions from Our Lady's monthly messages. My entire family is attending weekly Mass and frequent confession and adoration and the rosary and divine mercy and almsgiving and doing everything possible to be in a state of grace. I've been suffering from um, uh, more than 20 years of severe anxiety and depression. Oh, what a, what a painful situation to live in, mostly with regard to end times, uh, Medjugorje secrets. I've been told by people that Medjugorje has been approved. It has not been approved. What the Vatican has approved now are um, pilgrimages to Medjugorje, but they have not yet approved the apparitions. James says, at times, the thoughts have been suicidal. I have been attending many of Ivan's, that's the one of the uh, uh, visionaries from Medjugorje, uh, healing services, most recently in Hingham, Massachusetts. I've been um, working with 30 doctors and clinicians for decades, trying to improve my condition to serve God better. After trying every possible remedy, I signed up for a trip on May 5th, 2020, to Medjugorje in search of a cure. However, we just found out this trip is being postponed to August due due to the coronavirus problem. Number one, here's a few questions he has. For those of us who are trying to live in a state of grace following Our Lady's messages, we'll be frightened or harmed. For those of us who are trying to live in a state of grace following Our Lady's messages will be frightened or harmed by the illumination. I hear conflicting information about experiencing what hell or purgatory would be like during this event, which creates panic attacks for me. Will there be any harm for those who don't have mortal sins currently in our soul? Should we be in a state of grace? Should we, in a state of grace, look forward to this event? I tell you, let me answer that question first. I think so. Um, I am not without sin, and I cannot bear the thought of the sins of my lifetime being uh, exposed to me. Um, There will be no physical harm to anyone, but some people who uh, are not in a state of grace and who continue to live such a debauchery, a life of debauchery and rebellion, they could die from a heart attack. The emotions could kill them, but nothing else will. This is just about the greatest act of grace God could give us, to show us our soul and give us the opportunity to repent. It's a great, great act of grace. Nothing to be frightened about, although the thought of seeing ourselves as God sees us 
can certainly be frightened. But hell and purgatory are not a part of this at all. You're not going to see hell or see purgatory. Uh, You're not going to experience hell or purgatory, what it would be like. You're not going to experience those things. It's just an issue of the illumination. I'm giving you my understanding, of course. I'm not an authority. It's just the great grace of God showing us our souls and our sins so that we can turn from our wicked ways and, and repent and love God. So not to, not, to fra- Excuse me. not to be afraid. One suggestion that's been made is now while we have the opportunity to go to confession for anything that's on our heart, and we can even um, make an appointment with the priest and make a general confession of our whole life. I've done that. took me an hour and a half. Ah, It's some time ago I've done it. Some people recommended it every year. I don't do that every year, but a general confession of all the sins in your life, and people say, I'm not going to remember all the sins, but the priest said to me, just just begin anywhere, and I'll stop you if I have questions, and say, did this lead to this, to this, to this? And it was just a time of, I sobbed for three hours, but it's, it's a, a time of grace that I'll never forget. So I would say now, if you can go to a priest, especially a priest, well, it doesn't matter if you know him or not, um, and you can be behind a grail or face him, it will not matter. Do what brings the greatest peace to your heart. And just say, Father, I want to make an appointment for a general confession. And then just go through your life and ask him to help you. And and you'll be free of all that. You won't have to worry. Secondly, um, James says, shouldn't we also be totally protected during the three days of darkness without worry if we follow our Lord's instruction of blessed candles? Yes. I even heard uh, from... Um, um, a priest who himself has messages and all of that, that, in fact, if we're in a state of grace during the three days of darkness, God, I don't know that this is true, God may put us into a sort of a slumber so that we wake up when it's over and we don't feel it at all. Um, we will be protected if we, when we follow God's instructions. Absolutely. It will not be frightening for us, but we need to follow instruction. Number three, I realize no day is promised to anyone. However, it is God, God's plan that we who are trying to live out our all Mary's messages would survive these times. It is. There's no question. Our God came to us initially through the Blessed Mother in the manger, and he's coming to us again through her prior to his second coming. There's no question about that. If we are uh, consecrated to Our Lady, if we follow her, she's a good Jewish mother, and we won't have to worry about anything. Number four, we have divine mercy pictures which say, Jesus, I trust in you, and many people say, don't worry. However, my entire family has inherited anxiety, which makes this nearly impossible. It's very difficult to say to someone, don't worry. Um, I, I I could say, Jesus, I trust in you, and I really mean it, but yet I'm human, and um, I have human fears. So it doesn't mean if I'm anxious inside or a bit worried that I don't trust him. I do trust him. Um, but again, um, you know, if, if you, you can't swim and your parent says, okay, come on, we'll go into the pool together, and, and Dad holds you underneath so you float... 
um, he says, don't worry, I'll, I'll let you go at a certain point, but I'm here, don't worry about it. And you, you let him do that because you do trust him, and yet when he lets you go, you panic a little bit because uh, no one's going to say to you, how come you didn't trust your dad, you know. Um, you did, but it's a new unknown experience, so it's not, it's not easy. And then he says, uh, one of my four children told me last week that she would rather die than go through the time of the Medjugorje secrets. Now, I don't know what the Medjugorje secrets are, but God will protect his own, and she has nothing to fear. Not tell her, nothing to fear. Any assistance or reassurance would be great. Um, decades of severe anxiety have gotten incredibly worse. We're desperately panicked. James, I'm sorry, there's our ending music. I'm going to suggest that you find, in addition to your current doctors, a very, very good nutritionist and spiritual director. Um, but a nutritionist can help you greatly. Um, we'll be with all of you tomorrow. God bless you.